0: Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before.
0: Annie, we have made it to Book 3 Fire, Chapter 19, Sozin's Comet, Part 2, The Old Masters.
1: Where does this rank, Sam, for you? How do you, how, how, did you like this episode?
0: Yeah, it was so interesting because I was thinking about how to characterize this episode, and I feel like if the last episode was kind of withholding in terms of like loose ends and addressing those things, this one feels fan servicey and not in a bad way. Um, but I was, I was trying to think it took me a couple times through it actually. So I watched it and then I watched it again today. And then I I went through your notes and it was only when I, when I was going through your notes today that I realized um, there this, I felt like I felt echoes of some other story in this story and I figured out what it is. So I'll point this out as we get later into it. But, um, th- this is, this is a pretty interesting, I mean, it's interesting for all the fan service reasons. Like, there are things we've been talking about for a long time. Like, when is this going to come up? When is this going to come up? And this episode, they just dropped that on us. But what I love about this episode is, so I mean, well, we can just spoil it. I mean, we're, we're, we get the white Lotus in this episode. Mm. And we've been waiting for it for so long. We've been waiting for certain characters to come back, and now they're back, and we are sort of see their connections. But what I love is that's not even the most interesting part of this episode. Mm. That there's something else. It's like the other storyline actually is mo- even more interesting than the White Lotus one. So that that surprised me, because I thought when we got White Lotus, that was going to be w- everything. Right, And it's honestly the it's It's the secondary plot in my mind in terms of what's really interesting about this one. So and, and so that's a compliment to this episode. Mm-hmm. So I liked it, although I will say, um, because this isn't really an episode, this is the uh, middle the early middle fourth of the finale. It doesn't have this like I can't imagine ever saying, oh, you know what 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 my favorite episode is is the old masters. Because it doesn't function like an episode in the same way that like like Sokka's Master is one of my favorite episodes, and that functions in a in a very like that functions as a standalone episode that also connects to all these other things. This one functions as part of the finale episode so so to that degree, I mean, it's only a little bit weaker because it's not trying to be an episode if that right. makes sense, right. How about for you?
1: I I I do I agree with everything you just said. Um, I think what I would more likely say is, oh, I love the moment win or I love the scene win rather than this is I love this episode. You know, because this episode is so good, it really is. And you're right that both plots um, are phenomenal. And when I was doing notes, I was like, I don't know which one. I'm more interested in, which is not always the case. I feel like sometimes when I'm taking notes or oftentimes I'm like leaning towards or wanting the one plot. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, we go back to this where this time it's like, both are equally exciting and interesting.
0: And they know it because they will, cut in the middle of a scene to the other plot just because they're like oh you want to hear what they say next no we're gonna go back over here we're gonna we're gonna withhold that for just a little bit so i think they know what they have with this episode Mm. because whenever you're in one you want to stay in it and then they pull you over to the other one and you're like i'm so happy to be back in this so yeah i i i think that's that's absolutely true
1: yes Um, and by the end of this episode it's like game time like we're ready Mm-hmm. It's uh, the three days seem to be up, right?
0: Yeah, I I love how um, there is another character that's not exactly a character that's been looming, waiting this whole. I mean, ever since the winter solstice, and all of a sudden, this episode ends with that quote unquote character showing up, and you're and yeah, it's it makes me feel like like uh, episode twenty is just going to be written in all caps you know like it's just i think it's gonna be crazy that that's uh although i I get worried again about like having expectations but i feel like this is setting up for it's gonna it's gonna be crazy and and i wonder how much um so i mean now we're now we're just speculating for the next episode so but but i wonder how much Episode three, sort of the penultimate episode of the series, is going to be the real heavy hitter, and then mm. episode four, the final one, is kind of like, well, now we need to kind of settle settle how things played out. I, I wonder how much drama is left in the app in the actual finale, finale, or um, how much of that is sort of the playing out after the big climax that's that's the part i don't know because it feels like we're ready for major tension so i don't know if three is going to end in a cliffhanger mm-hmm. or it's going to end in a resolution but then you're sort of like wondering but what happens next and that that's what the last chapter is that i that i'm not sure
1: for sure i mean i only remember like the the skeleton of the next two of not even i remember like The femur, like all I know is like one little, some little tidbits of the next couple episodes. So I don't know where the action is and where the resolution is and how much of each we get. I know there's a lot of action, uh, but I don't remember how much resolution we get. So I'm excited as we move into those two.
0: Should we jump into the summary?
1: Yes, let's do it. So we start up right where we left off. Remember, this is basically a movie. So we end uh, the last episode in the CD Earth Kingdom bar, and we pick up right there. Uh, does the bar have a name? I don't think. I it don't does. think so. I don't. Think I kind so. of. I kind of wish it did.
0: I, like, I I think we should just call it June's because I presume she doesn't own it, but she runs that thing.
1: But she, yeah, she does kind of own it. Yeah. So June's bar. And June is just being cool as usual, right? She's she just um, had a fight scene. She's just kind of sitting down and relaxing now, drinking her drink. And Saka uh, whispers to Zuko, "Hey, I remember her. She helped you attack us." And Zuko says, "Yep, back in the good old days." And he and what I've called the Zuko crew walks up to June.
0: And I want to say, I want to say that good old days line. Uh, I I want to just comment on that because. There have been moments previously, you know, since Zuko joined the crew where there was sort of this sense that like they kinda weren't allowed to joke too much about like would that they used to be enemies and like Katara would her hack that would raise her hackles. I feel like now we're past that where he can actually make that. Yep, back in the good old days and everybody's kind of on on board with like, yeah, that was that was that is our past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the rest of the crew is like, oh man, I I wish I would have thought of that comeback. (laughs) Like they're all Yes, they're all on the same line or on the same page. So, um, Z- the Zuko crew walks up to June and she says, Oh, hey, Prince Pouty. She says, Where's your creepy ga- grandpa? And Zuko responds, He's my uncle and he's not here. And what <laughs> I love the first line from June. Yes.
0: Well, and what I love about this is that, uh, you could say, well, you know, she's she's insulting Zuko with the Prince Pouty, although it's pretty much on point. And she's insulting Iroh with the creepy grandpa. But remember uh, June's experience with Iroh? Like she's actually being honest about that. Like it is the it is the one like uh, real real creepy skin crawly moment with Iroh.
1: Yes. And I'm glad they just totally brought it up again. Yep. Like, why why try to bury it? Like It happened and it's weird. (laughs) Uh, So Zuko says he's not here. And June says, oh, well, I see you worked things out with your girlfriend. Gesturing to Zuko and Katara, who then stammer and shout, like, we're not dating. Um, And Zuko asks June for help finding the avatar. And she's like, I don't know why I would do that for you. And he says that the entire world hinges on this task. Uh, and, and I guess that's enough to get June on board. She's saying, "Well, which, all right, if it's the world,
0: which is interesting because she seems to me to be entirely mercenary. Mm. So it doesn't seem like it should be enough for him to just say, I mean, cause she has some like Han Solo to her, right? Mm. Like early Han Solo, uh, where, you know, it, it, they should have to promise her something, some sort of big payout for what's going to happen. So it's a little strange that, that, That that's enough that Zuko sort of threatening, you know, the world could end that that's enough for her to get on board or or it's an indicator that everybody in the world is actually starting to feel like the world is on the brink. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says that, even even June's on board.
1: Right. I could also see June. I mean, she's in the bar. She's it's June's bar. Right. Like she owns it in multiple ways. And, uh, maybe she wants a little adventure and fun too, right? Like, ah, all right. These guys came in, they offered me something and it was not monetary, but it sure is more fun than just sitting here and beating the same people at the same things.
0: Absolutely. So like, Cause it seems like it's the same clientele in that bar all the time.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so she is on board. We see them walk outside, um, and uh Appa and Nyla, who we learn her name is Nyla, I think at this point, she's the, the uh, sheer shoe, right? Yes. Um, the giant mole. Uh they are snarling at each other and their faces are nearly touching until Appa just full on licks Nyla's face playfully, and it seems like they're friends.
0: Well, and what I what I like about that is it's 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 two things. Appa is both approaching this moment of tension and potential violence with love, right? With this big mm-hmm. lick. It also Appa licks Nyla on the snout. So also probably neutralizing Nyla at that <laughs> moment too. Because that's how Nyla sees. That's true. <laughs> so it is both like a peaceful action and a like subtly violent action. Right.
1: It's like here is all my scent at once. Uh so Dune approaches Nyla and tosses a steak to her and katara throws the air nomad staff to june who has nyla smell it for ang's scent and nyla begins to circle the crew and she's sniffing constantly um doing a couple rounds around everyone until she drops to the ground in frustration and starts to paw at her face at her nose and june translates and says this means your friend's gone he's gone gone he doesn't exist.
0: Now, this is really interesting because we think we know kind of where Aang is, that he's on some island, right? Some island appeared. We we know he's not in the spirit world. Um, or at least we assume that because he's he's there. It seems to be there physically, right? Um so I don't know what this he doesn't exist means. I, and I will say even by the end of the episode, this line still intrigues me and baffles me. Because the shearshoe Shoe can, can track something from anywhere. Right. Right? So, so like where Aang is exactly is an interesting mystery. Now, one of the things that I love about this moment is when she says he doesn't exist... There is a sound cue that I can't actually describe very well. I'm not good at describing music, but there's a, a music cue, like a stinger at this moment, which seems to be taken lifted just entirely from the show Lost. It's the exact kind of music cue Lost would use, which is interesting because we're then going to cut to Aang on this weird magical island, which is, you know, what Lost is all about as well. So, and and those characters are, spoiler alert, like Somewhere between existence and non-existence, so I wonder if they dropped that music cue as like an intentional, like tip of the hat to Lost, because it sounds exactly like whenever a big moment would happen before like a commercial break on Lost.
1: Ah, uh, I see. I've not seen that series, but um, that makes a lot of sense. Huh. Uh so and they do cut to our Lost friend who is on this mysterious seemingly moving island in the ocean it's sunrise for him so we are on different timelines when we jump back and forth between these two plots
0: or um, are we in different parts of the world
1: true actually yes true because they have traveled so far um mm-hmm. but, i mean and we don't know where Ing is but right. uh the other and I, pr- in-
0: I presume this is a circular earth-like planet that they're on
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. So, so it, so it could be that they're, yeah, that they're somewhere else, which is also kind of intriguing too.
1: Mm, Absolutely. So we see Momo chasing a chipmunk through these weaving tree branches in the dense forest on top of this island. This island is a forest island. Um, there's not much else.
0: Yeah, like only a forest island.
1: Right, right. When you look at the island, it's like, um, it just looks like a forest grew straight out of the ocean and, mm-hmm. and up towards the sky and like a small hill or a mountain. And Aang is wandering around in this forest lost and he's talking with Momo the whole time. So everything we get from Aang is basically his conversation with Momo. There's even a moment where he says something like, I know that you can't talk. But it's nice to talk to someone, right? Like, it's nice to bounce ideas off of you. Um, so he's talking with Momo and he says, maybe I'm in the spirit world. But wait, you can see me. We could both be in the spirit world. But then he bends a tunnel of air and realizes that his airbending works. So he's not in the spirit world. And he decides, you know what, let's head up to the top of the mountain or the top of the island to gain some perspective in both ways, right? Figure out where we are and where we are.
0: Right, right. I love th- this is I will say so this is the storyline that I'm super intrigued by. Mm. I'm intrigued by the the magic moving island. And there's some what I love about it is there's so many things that I still can't explain by the time we get to the end of the episode, which is a a home run.
1: Mm. So, we only get that second with Aang and Momo, and we cut back to Sokka's face, close-up, confused, angry. And he says, what do you mean Aang doesn't exist?
0: So, this is what I'm talking about, where they're cutting, like, mid-scene. So, yes. the last thing we said was, was June said this thing, and, and we cut away, and now we're back immediately to where we were. So, timeline-wise, mm. not a second has passed.
1: Mm. And June says... He's not dead. Nyla can find dead bodies. She's like, it's a real head scratcher. Well, (laughs) Sia is about to turn and leave. And before she can turn to do that, Zuko asks her to wait. And he's like, there's one other person that we can search for right now who can help find and defeat the Fire Lord. And he comes back. He's like, I'm going to go grab a smell sample. (laughs) He comes back holding a soggy flip-flop with flies circling it.
0: Why and is ev- it soggy still?
1: I don't know. It's so gross. Like, where was yeah. it? And uh, and everyone, like, is kind of covering their noses and grossed out by the smell. And Sokka says, You saved your uncle's sweaty sandal? Good question. Good, good point. And Toph says, I think it's kind of sweet. <laughs>
0: So do you think he saved it because in the back of his mind, he always had June in mind as like this? Cause I mean, he gets to this pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of last episode that like, well, this is an option. If I ever need to find somebody, mm-hmm. you know, do you think he, I wonder, does he have smell samples for other people too? Where he's like, well, if I need to find this person, I have, I mean, does he have like a bag of smells?
1: <laughs> that would be so convenient. Uh, I mean, he's a well-thought-out, well-planned person. Yeah. And a tracker. Like, he is a tracker. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, maybe he has some smell samples from everyone. I would love to know what they are. Yes. Uh, So Nyla smells the sandal and um, bounds off with June on her back. And Appa and the Zuko crew are racing to keep up. They jump on Appa. They're flying behind her. And we get some brief shots of Appa flying behind the speeding Nyla. Uh, She is running up mountains. She's running through valleys. Time is also passing, and it's an entire day of travel from nighttime to, or uh, an entire night of travel from nighttime to dawn. And then we get nightfall again. So it was a full about twenty-four hours of travel.
0: So what's interesting about this is we're going to see that they've covered a great deal of space at this point because uh, I'll actually, I should, I should let you say where they end up on this, on this travel.
1: Yes. They end up at a, a, an old city wall and it's dilapidated in parts of it, broken down, almost looks like a ruin. And Zuko says, we're going to Basingse. Yeah,
0: and Yeah. So, says, so it's interesting to think about the fact that like we spent all of the first season, like, barely covering ground and and they did a really great job of it kind of setting it up why they couldn't just zip across the world but now because there's almost nothing to lose they we see how fast they can cover ground because just in the matter of a day or two we've gone all the way from ember island to Bossing say Se, which seems like a lot of ground to cover
1: yeah it's almost like when Aang is there, they take their time. <laughs> yeah. When Aang is there, let's like he's like, let's do these side tasks. He's like, I got some avatar things to do. Let's or or let's go to uh to to watch the boulder um compete, you know, a- instead of just like uh A to B, like we need to get to our destination. <laughs> um so they make it to the walls of ba Sing Se. and June says Iroh is somewhere in the city and she offers them a, a kind of good luck and turns to leave with nyla so june is gone for at least the rest of the episode
0: so what do you think of that like the, the to of her leaving at this point like basically walking them right up she also does not appear to get paid you know like like they like it seems like she just did what they asked and then left right. um do you think this is she actually doesn't want to make it all the way to Iroh cuz she really does have creepy feelings about him or
1: I don't know. I yeah, I I wish that she would have stayed longer. It's like with every other character that jumps in, it seems like they and like they end up with the family, they kind of go on with the rest of the adventure. So I was expecting her to stay longer. Um
0: cuz she seems like she would be very helpful, but she's also maybe not that interested in helping like she's right. like i've 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 helped you out in your quest to save the world but like i'm not i have other things to do
1: right right i think it's that more like uh this was fun for now but um she has i'm sure she has a lot of people asking her for help or yeah
0: well and also also i assume that the the in a, on a practical level the screenwriters just they just can't grow this group any bigger at this point so like mm. having having June and Nyla there. That's just another character you have to worry about. Which is I think this this is the most appropriate moment then to point out that the cave crew is still in the cave at this point. As far <laughs> as we know, still in the cave.
1: How big is the cave?
0: <laughs> it goes way way down.
1: Oh, sad. What if it has no end? What if it's just down. Oh, the poor cave crew. I forgot about them. We don't get them at all in this episode.
0: Nope. Spoiler alert. <laughs> So, don't hold your breath for the cave crew
1: they are not secretly the white lotus unfortunately <laughs> so uh, Zuko the Zuko crew decides now that June is gone we're just gonna sit outside and camp for the night and search for Iroh at dawn
0: weird because the clock is really ticking <laughs> Like,
1: yeah I mean I guess they need their sleep Apa yeah, uh, needs to needs sleep
0: on a practical level yes but it, it is sort of like at this point it has to be like the morning before the comet if we're keeping track like i don't know i think i just i think i just forego sleep and and i wouldn't get right to the doorstep of where i needed to go
1: right it's kind of like oh this could be the last 24 hours of existence as we know it so maybe we should get some things done yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah
0: (laughs) it's it, it i mean we're not here to criticize like that but it's an interesting choice but right it, right right but they do it again for the practical reason of the reveal we get uh in a in a in the next scene from them but yeah
1: yeah and if we talk about Iroh kind of haunting like zuko's decision making the last like half a season or a season it seems like a very Iroh move to be like, ah, I feel tired right now, so I will sleep right now, even though it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: That's a good point. I mean, because because Zuko is, yeah, is becoming is becoming Iroh like plus, as we'll see, Zuko is searching for Iroh, but he's also nervous about finding Iroh. So maybe mm-hmm. this is that also that sense of like, I don't know that I'm ready to see him yet. I don't know what how he's going to greet me. So this is a way to just push that off for a little bit right
1: so we go back to the island and ang and momo reach the top the center of the island and they find this clearing in these dense woods and in the center is this carved intricately carved uh hexagon shape on the earth it's about the size of oppa like it's a large hexagon
0: so what did you think when you saw that
1: I don't know what I thought. I it, I thought it looked like uh, temple grounds. Um, yeah, I don't know. How about you?
0: I was I was I kept looking at what appeared to be the design on the hexagon, mm. and I was wondering, like, because I didn't know where this episode was going. I thought this might be the White Lotus thing because it it almost looks like a, like a Lotus Pie Show tile, although those are circular, not hexagonal. But I was like, oh, interesting. Is this whole, like, moving island going to be a White Lotus thing? Turns out that's not what it is. But, um, but I was excited by the and – and, and again, this is another thing which doesn't get fully explained in this episode, kind of what is the nature of this part of the island. But it seems like uh, an intentional place.
1: Yeah. And I didn't look too closely at the design of the hexagon, I wonder if they drew it, like what inspired those, that specific shape. If if it's from some like myth mythical story or from a religious text or something, but, um, I did not do that digging.
0: Yeah. I, I think you're right. Like some kind of temple ground makes sense. It reminds me a little bit of, um, and I think, I actually think this episode has a lot of Lord of the Rings in it in, in weird ways. It reminds me of, um, Uh, moments in Lord of the Rings when they're going through the forest and they reach something that's like ruins of something very old. So this is like, Mm -hmm. this speaks to like an older, an older world somehow. And I really, I really like that. And I'm I'm totally okay with it not being explained in the context of the show. Because it's almost weirder when you think about, when we learn what this island really is, it's almost weirder that there is this like carved, maybe sacred space on this.
1: Mm -hmm. And Sacred is right, like this is where Aang is going to, this is like, it seems like a bridge. This is like the bridge between spirit and and non-spirit, spirit spirit and matter, right? Yep. So uh, they make it to this clearing and Aang touches the earth and Momo sniffs around and Aang says, it doesn't seem like normal rock. And he tries to bend it, but nothing happens. He says, this is so strange. I wish I had help right now. I wish I had Roku. And he looks at Momo, and when he does, he says, "Wait, I do have Roku."
0: And he which is a like, great, which is a great Roku Momo connection moment, you know, because there there was a lot of indications early on of like Momo is Roku somehow. Mm-hmm. So this this like reminds me of season one stuff where he ang looks at at Momo and thinks of Roku. So.
1: Exactly. Yes, and whenever when. So we get a series of uh, apparitions. We get a series of of him, like, summoning avatars, right? And whenever he does, Momo jumps away. And, like, when he jumps away, that's right where the spirit appears. And then when the spirit disappears, Momo jumps back. And so it's, like, this strange kind of hopping to and from Mm -hmm. for Momo. So Aang sits up straight, and he assumes a meditating position, inhales, exhales, closes his eyes, Momo runs from the spot straight in front of Aang, and just as he does, the forest darkens, and Aang's body begins to glow that spirit world blue that it glows, and Roku manifests before Aang.
0: One of the things that I love about this, too, is is at this point we're seeing Aang pretty close to the peak of his powers at this point in the story. So it's like this isn't something he has to labor to do. He's like, I got this. I forgot I can do this, but... I know how to access my my past selves. So it's I like that it's it's him just doing what he can do, not this like I have to really effortfully try to try to bring about Roku.
1: Right. I also like that he I, I was frustrated because I was like, "Oh, I wish he would have done this like episodes ago." <laughs> but then it's like, "Oh, no, I think he needed to be one in this space wherever he is, this like kind of bridge space." Two, I think this is the only time it's Aang like wrestling with his own thoughts on his own instead of having people's voices in his ears all of the time, and so like this is he needed to be on his own with Momo to help like kind of uh, talk things through
0: a sounding board,
1: uh, right? And he needs, I think, he needed silence and isolation to get through some of this stuff without having other people's opinions. Um, but then he does seek other people's opinions. So there's that, I guess it's just himself. He seeks his own past selves, opinions and advice. So Roku manifests and says, you're right, Aang, all the past avatars, all their experience and wisdom is available to you. If you look deep inside yourself and Roku says, he doesn't know where they are, but that Aang appears lost in more ways than one and Aang says yes you're right i can't decide what to do when i face the fire lord then we cut to the camp
0: and this is such a this is another example of one of those where it's like can i just stay in this moment and then we cut away but we cut away for something so awesome but i also feel like can we just can't we just stay
1: I know, they do such a good job. So then at the campsite outside of Bossingsay, the Zuko crew sleeps on Appa's fur, but Toph is sleeping in her um her classic rock tent on the ground. And she wakes with a start once she feels the earth move beneath her. The rest of the crew wakes up just as a trail of blazing fire surrounds their campsite in a circle. And it's sourced from behind this ruin of this outer Bossing wall. And within the ruins of the wall stands four men dressed in identical blue robes. Who are they, Sam?
0: They are Dao, the sword master uh, for Sokka, Jiang Ang's first firebending teacher, Paku, uh, Katara's waterbending master, and Bumi, Ang's oh. uh, the, the king of Amashu, the Probably the most powerful earthbender out there. So, I mean, these people that we've been looking for, waiting for, uh, are now kind of wondering. Like, like we knew Boomy would come back. I figured Piando would. Piando has the, or gives um, Sokka the White Lotus tile, so we know he's part of White Lotus. So, this is leading you to think this is probably White Lotus.
1: Mm. The one that I was most surprised by, but it makes sense, is Jong Jong. I just, I didn't know that he would come back.
0: Yeah. I'm actually, I'm not surprised that Paku came back, but I know we had talked before about like, is the waterbender Paku seemed like the most obvious one. Cause he seems like a really powerful waterbender, but I don't know that if he would fit in with the vibe of what I thought white Lotus would be. And Zhang Zhang actually fits that better. Because he's kind of a firebender, but also like an outsider firebender mm-hmm. where, where Paku seemed like pretty tied in, in the Northern, uh, the Northern water tribe.
1: Right. Until, yeah. Until I guess the end of, um, season one where he doesn't, he leave.
0: Doesn't Yeah. He, he leaves to go South, mm. but even that it's like, that's about the Northern water tribe reaching out to the South. He's not like an outsider in the North. He's just going on this, this journey to try to reconnect with the South. So I, so he's the only one who surprised me, but um, we're going to learn some things about him that, that maybe we realize he has uh, softened in some ways that we uh, didn't originally see from him. Mm.
1: Yes, exactly. Also Boomy king of my heart. (laughs) I'm so excited that he's here. He says, well, Look who's here, and he is still ripped. Those abs are a blessing. And Katara smiles, and the crew turns to each other in shock and disbelief.
0: How excited were you the first time you saw this and saw them? So
1: excited. I I mean I you're right. We knew that Boomy was gonna come back, but like it felt so good. It felt so good. <laughs>
0: We knew they were going to come back but like I was open to like maybe it's even going to be later maybe they're going to keep withholding some of these things so the fact that not only do we get Boomy but we get we get a lot we get we get these four people and 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 we're going to see that even expand but we get these four people that we all sort of figured at least some of them we were going to see and instead of them rolling them out slowly it's like they just boom all appear at once
1: Yes. And I also was so excited because I wasn't sure, you know, if if we do get Boomy back, is it going to be only Boomy interacting with Aang? Is, but instead, it's like this crew of people. I mean, Suki doesn't know any of them. Right. <laughs> she has no context. Uh, Zuko uh, maybe knows of some of them, but like hasn't been in contact or like doesn't know the story. And Toph too. So it's fun to be like, Oh, this is a new setup, new characters joining. I also love that Suki and Bumi are in the same space together because they're my faves. Right. Um, it's exciting. So we don't get that for long, though. We're back on the they island. They take it away. <laughs> back on the island. And Aang explains to Roku that he doesn't know if he can take the Fire Lord's life. And Roku says... In my life, I tried to be disciplined and show restraint, but it backfired when when Fire Lord Sozin took advantage of my restraint and mercy. If I had been more decisive and acted sooner, I could have stopped Sozin and stopped the war before it started. And as he's talking, we see these flashbacks of cities on fire and destruction and chaos. It looks like the end of the world. And he says, I offer you this wisdom, Aang, you must be decisive. And then his spirit disappears.
0: So here's where I started just like full on taking notes in this episode. I was like, okay, so he's going to encounter more avatars and all of them are going to give him like these singular pieces of advice. So if you have your your notepad with you, write down, be decisive. That that's the mm-hmm. first uh, the first piece to the puzzle of thinking about the end game for this um, for Aang as he faces the Fire Lord so um, yeah and I, so I think yeah, I, I think I think we should be we should be looking at the advice he's collecting as part of the like job description We've, we talked about this back in season one when we first met Bumi um, that Boomy laid out the job description for the avatar for the first time and now we're getting the avatars giving Aang sort of more just. Dis- uh spe- specific job description pieces so that's our per- first piece of advice we're gonna keep revisiting these uh throughout this episode and I think we should hold on to it as we move into episodes three and four
1: yes and um it's also exciting thinking about like great pieces of literature or uh religious texts that have moments like this too where it's like, thinking about um, Jesus before he went, uh, when he's praying in Gethsemane, w- before he's going to his death, uh, and figures like appear, right? Or appear, or um, or even like Star Wars, right? And you get the, what are they called? Jedi ghosts? What,
0: yeah, the what are the Force ghosts, yeah.
1: <laughs> force ghosts. Actually, actually, I was close. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the Force ghosts appear at different moments. Um, there's even, like, in Hindu texts, you have stories of, um, like, uh, going off to battle and uh, and having, like, the gods appear before you and give advice. And so, like, this is one of those things where it's, like, you need this, and it's in the hour before you face this final decision. And it's really exciting.
0: Well, and, and let's, okay, we'll just dig into this here, because... I think the other interesting thing about this episode, because I was thinking all those same things. I was thinking also like, like the Oracle of Delphi, like going mm-hmm. in, in ancient Greece, going to the Oracle to like seek the advice of the gods. Mm-hmm. And one of the things um, that I find interesting about this episode is Ang is not happy to get this advice from Roku because he's hoping Roku's going to tell him how to how to how to uh, not have to face the Fire Lord, right? Right. Because assuming he's going to have to kill the Fire Lord. And Roku doesn't... doesn't I mean, Roku is, is sort of seems to be saying something the opposite of that. And as we'll see with, the, with some of the other avatars he encounters, it's going to be that same thing. But I, I bring up Delphi specifically. Because one of the things... Um, when you go to visit the Oracle of Delphi, there are two other pieces of advice that you walk under. The first is uh, nothing in excess and the second is know thyself because very often what the Oracle tells you is something that you kind of have to decode um, and it's in and there it's kind of cryptic so there's like the the famous story of of uh, Croesus of Lydia who goes to Delphi to see if he should raise an army to face the Persians and and um, The Oracle says, if you raise an army, you'll destroy a great empire. And so he does it. And then he goes and fights the Persians and loses and realizes that the advice was actually saying, you'll destroy your own empire. But like that, that sometimes these pieces of advice are going to be cryptic. So I'm, I'm paying so much attention to the fact that Aang is sort of saying, do I have to kill the Fire Lord? And he's getting this advice and his response time and again is sort of like, oh, so you're saying I have to kill the Fire Lord. When if we pay attention Roku is just saying, you must be decisive. And he's saying, I wasn't decisive, and maybe I should have dealt with this more directly, but he's notice he doesn't say, you are going to have to kill the Fire Lord. And, and so I think we should pay attention to these pieces of advice and think about how could we interpret these things if Aang is thinking, know thyself, nothing in excess.
1: Yes, and that Aang is feeling this subtext that is making him stressed, uh, anxious. And I think it's because he he came here knowing what they would say or thinking he knew what they would say. And so he's interpreting it a specific way. But yeah, you're right. It They're not telling him, you have to do this. They're giving him this more vague advice.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the the pieces to the solution that he's looking for are are these pieces of advice? Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's seeing things in a pretty black and white manners as of right now. At least it's either I either I kill him or I don't, and and if I don't, that means I lose.
1: Right, exactly. Yes. He,
0: he's kind of in kill or be killed mode, and he's looking for a way out.
1: Mm-hmm. So Roku's spirit disappears, and then we go back to Bossing ba Say, and Toph says, "What's going on?" We're surrounded by old people. And Katara says, not just any old people. These are the great masters and friends of ours. And so she introduces Paku. She bows to him. And Paku says, it is respectful to bow to an old master. But how about a hug for your new grandfather?
0: What? We saw this coming, right?
1: I just love that in this I mean it's been a long time, right? Like it's been yes, two seasons. That's true. But I love that in that time rekindled romance between Grand Grand and Paku has happened.
0: And we like, haven't seen Grand Grand since like episode two.
1: I know. But I it's nice to hear about her.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and I, I do love this sort of like we saw a softened Paku at the end of season one and beginning Mm. of season two um and i like that 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 is not something that went away that he continues to be that but at the same time still also maintains a little bit of that edge as well
1: yes because when katara hugs him like sokka and her flip out they're so excited probably to just hear news of grand grand but also to hear such good news
0: well and to have family like they don't have a lot of family
1: right and so paku says he made a new betrothal necklace for Grand Grand, and Saka bear hugs him calls him gramp gramp and paku pushes him away and says you can still just call me paku um so it, it's a warm welcome but also like eh, all right not that warm
0: so we should also note that this means hakoda has a new stepfather in law
1: oh yeah true that's exciting. I wonder if he'll uh, react in the same way as Sokka.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we'll uh, if he ever gets out of that cave.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Maybe maybe we have to go search for him. Yeah. So then Katara introduces Zhang Zhang to Zuko and says, this is Aang's first firebending teacher. We see Sokka bow to Pian Dao and uh, Suki says, so wait, how do you all know each other? And Bumi says, all old people know each other. Don't you know that? Great line, Piandao says we're all part of the same secret society, a group that transcends the divisions of the four nations.
0: Now I need to say about Piandao because everybody else looks really old. Piandao is either not as old as them, or he's yo yo. You know that person who just has like aged, like he's like a um, like a Rob Lowe type or something, uh-huh. where he just like he looks so young. <laughs> He looks like like he's Hakoda's age, but he's part of this. So, like, I assume he's actually as old as Jong Jong and Paku, but he's just got, like, great genetics.
1: Yes. Oh, wait. What? Okay. Why am I thinking Jude Law? That is not his name. The guy who's Ant-Man.
0: Oh, Paul Rudd.
1: Okay. Okay. Two-syllable name. I knew. (laughs) Not Jude Law. Paul Rudd. Jude Law
0: also has good genetics, so.
1: (laughs) Right? They got the the Paul Rudd gene of like, how old are you? You are timeless. Yes. He's just got some wrinkles on his face, but his hair is beautifully brown, <laughs> and he is strong. Flawless
0: skin. Yeah, he looks great. Right.
1: Yeah. I have a yeah. crush
0: on Piendo. <laughs> well,
1: you can have Piendo if I can have Boomy. Go for this it. This is a weird conversation. So, uh. We, so he transcends the divisions of the Four Nations. Zuko cuts in and says the order of the White Lotus and smiles. He knows exactly what this is. Zhang Zhang says the White Lotus has always been about philosophy and beauty and truth. But about a month ago, a call went out that we were needed for something important. And Paku says it came from a Grand Lotus, your uncle, Iroh of the Fire Nation." So about a month ago, that must have been right when he broke out of jail. hmm And uh, Zuko says, can we, can we see him? And they said, yeah, we'll, we'll take you to Iroh. Uh, but as they do, Bumi pushes the old guys out of the way, says, wait, there's someone missing from your group. Someone very important. Where's Momo? And Sokka says, oh, he's gone. Um, and so is Aang. And Bumi says, oh. Well, as long as they have each other, I'm sure we have nothing to worry about. Let's go. And he earth bends himself high into the air and over the wall of the city, cackling as he goes.
0: I love um, that we. There's really not a lot of Boomy in Avatar at all. He's in two episodes, basically. Mm-hmm. But I already saw that joke coming when he said, "Someone's not here." I'm like, he's going to say Momo. He's going to say Momo. like, like I love that. I love that that. He he has a running bit, even though he's barely in this show. You you know you you already kind of know the uh, the joke he's going to make. Now this is interesting because we got a little bit more about the White Lotus here, so I think it's worth it's worth reflecting on that for a second. So it breaks down sort of the divisions between the four nations, oh. and it's always been about philosophy and beauty and truth. Oh. Um, I don't know what that means. I mean, I, I know what. I know what that means, literally, but I don't know what that means in the um, the context of this show. And I'm really curious, like, is the White Lotus going to be this thing that connects them to Iroh? Or are we going to get the White Lotus fleshed out more? Because we don't really get a lot more. This is kind of the most telling about the White Lotus that we get. So I'm curious to see. I'm guessing... Um, this is going to be an episode for kind of after the climb after the climax, um, when they're kind of settling the world that that we might get a little bit more white lotus. But um, I love it, I, and I just want I just want to have them slowly reveal more to me.
1: I know I'm like okay, you say these big things: philosophy, beauty, truth. Can you define what those mean for you? Can you like you know? What does it just... mean
0: to be about them? You know, like
1: right, right, like what and yeah what do they do when it's not i mean he said like this is what we do philosophy beauty truth until we got the call from iroh to say we need to do something even more important and it's like what yeah what is time like in like a relatively peaceful or not tense moment for this society
0: and how often do they connect because we know that they live literally in different parts of this planet like they live like they live all over the place um you know, so, so so I'm sort of curious about, like, are there White Lotus meetings? You know, mm-hmm. do they have, like, an annual meeting? Um, and I realize this sounds, like, silly and logistical, but, like, this is actually the stuff that interests me. I would love to know more about kind of how the Secret Society operates and how widespread it is. Because these are not the only White Lotus members we've seen. Right. And another thing I wonder about the white lotus is if we think about the episode where this was first introduced, which is uh, the water bending scroll, kind of middle of season one. uh, Iroh talks about using the white lotus as that it's a tech that that tile is important for the certain strategy that he uses when he plays Pai Sho. So I, what I'm wondering is, is that, do they use Pai Shao to communicate with each other like we see in the desert? Or, or is it the library? Sorry, the library episode. With, um, or, is there actually like a strategy to playing that game that will somehow be mirrored in a strategy or life philosophy that will be used to win some part of the 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 victory, you know, in this finale. I'm I'm curious to to, to see if there's more of that because, um, because Iro definitely, it's definitely like like that lays there pretty heavy when he says that in season one. Mm.
1: It reminds me of, um, other other moments I've ha- so I went on uh, a temple stay when I first moved to Korea in 2016. And while we were there, we did a, a tea ceremony with some of the Buddhist monks, and they taught us the different movements of the tea when you're pouring. What what each means, right? And it's like very intentional um, the way they were describing it. Uh, it reminds me of other types of uh, meditation or yoga or something where it's like this is a physical. These physical movements are intentional. Every every movement is purposeful and by the end, you come to some kind of realization or you um, or you are closer to either nature or the person that you're with. And so, it feels like Pai Show is something like that too, mm-hmm. an intentional, it's not just a game, it's something where maybe by the end of playing Pai Show with somebody else, you you come to some type of knowledge or wisdom or you understand truth or beauty or philosophy better. Uh, Mm. through the actions of placing those tiles with your company and especially if your company is the white lotus (laughs) but um i could see like ang as a child in um in the air temple playing this game with uh with the monks and like coming and them using it as a way to get kids get these children to come to something to like learn something oh i like that
0: i like that a lot yeah
1: It seems right. It seems like why throughout the whole series, Iroh is not always playing Paisho, but he is always pouring tea and doing like kind of ceremoniously uh, or ceremonial like tea uh, drinking with Zuko. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, So where's Momo is the question. And we get to know back at nighttime on the island, Aang uh, and Momo are, are still in the center of the island. And this time, Aang decides, you know what? It's not just Roku I can summon. I want to summon Avatar Kyoshi.
0: So I, th- I was so thrilled at this point because I, <laughs> I sort of, I wasn't sure we were ever going to see her again. And she is maybe my, well, Suki's my favorite character, but like she's up there. She's my favorite avatar for sure. Um, So the fact that we get to see her again and then we get to see what she says is so cool.
1: Mm. So she appears before him in a cloud of blue smoke, just like Roku. She says, in my day, Chin the Conqueror threatened to throw the world out of balance. I stopped him and the world entered a great era of peace. And we see flashbacks from, I believe it was the Avatar Day episode. Is Mm -hmm. that right? Mm -hmm. Where Kiyoshi is breaking the land in two and leaving Chin on one side. Uh, of this divide. And Aang says, well, you didn't kill Chin though. He fell because of his own stubbornness. And Kyoshi says, personally, I don't really see the difference, but I assure you, I would have done whatever it took to stop Chin. I offer you this wisdom, Aang. Only justice will bring peace.
0: So I love that she owns her story, right? That That she's not interested in her story being... Revised and mm-hmm. she's like, from my perspective, I and mean, we see this in the Avatar Day episode. Like, from my perspective, this is this is what I did. And did my actions lead to his death? Yes. And if they hadn't, would I have done something else if need be? Yes. I I, I actually really, really like that because she is not um buying into this opportunity to kind of whitewash her past and say, like, well, actually, we can kind of clean that up and say you know, this is the reason that, that he died. Cause she's going to, she, ultimately she says is sort of implying the reason that he died is because, um, his ambition led him to a point where I needed to deal with the situation. Mm. And that led to his, and that led to his death, whether it was intentional or accidental, whether it was his fault or my fault, I was active in that. I was not, this was not a, uh, accidental byproduct of my actions.
1: Right. And it makes it seem like, so if we, if we think about what the end will look like, if the Fire Lord dies, and so so Aang could kill him uh, directly,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: the Fire Lord could
0: die. Melon Lord style, right? Like.
1: Right, right, Melon Lord style. Um, the Fire Lord could die during the battle, but not directly, or the Fire Lord could live. And it's like, it's almost comforting to be like, Oh, whether he—if he dies, whether directly or indirectly by Aang. It's because of Aang's actions, and like he just needs to own it, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. not—he can't be like, "Oh, I, you know what? Yes, I did battle him, but technically, he did not die because of my (laughs) staff or because of my bent." Like you can't—you can't really play that game. It's your your actions are your own, and um, the consequences are
0: too. And I I love just how much this show is interested in how history gets told Mm. and how history gets written and how it gets passed along and how legends get built. Um, uh, So so I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by that. It's why, it's why I love Kyoshi so much, but what's super cool is, although that's this interesting lesson that we're taking from this, that is not the advice that she gives. The advice she gives is only justice will bring peace. Mm. So, uh, let's read that into her chin the conqueror story right that that uh, sh- what she was doing was trying to um, to bring justice to, um, and and you know maybe bring chin to justice uh, and that that's the only way that that peace can come about but notice she she's not telling him yet again you don't have to kill the fire lord to for justice to be established, for justice to be brought, um, but that the key to creating a peaceful world is whatever you do is through the lens of justice. So be decisive, be just. I mean, th- those are those are the the, uh, the the two pieces of advice that we have so far, which are pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. So so I again, I want to when we get to the end game, I want to have these pieces these pieces of advice there to see like how do these things fit into Whatever, because really, I presume uh, that the writers created this problem for themselves that they needed to solve, which is how do we take Aang, who is so definitively not a killer, and how do we have him succeed in this moment where the only apparent solution is, mm-hmm. is to kill? Um, and and I think these are gonna be the pieces to do that. So I'm I'm very excited for this.
1: Yeah, and I think up until this episode, it it feels like such a betrayal of Aang to say this is your destiny to kill. By the end of this episode, I feel like when the battle's over, no matter what happens to the Fire Lord we get the force ghosts back and
0: mm-hmm. they're all
1: like nodding in approval at luke right like they're like you did a good job Aang, like you did it i could see it doesn't matter i don't think it matters what happens to the fire lord for him to get that approval because what he'll do is what he'll do and like that's his destiny and that's um mm. and that's i mean yeah, that's him being decisive. That's him being just.
0: Well, and and the other thing I love is that we know that at least the Kiyoshi part of him would just melon lord him. I, mean, like, <laughs> I think she would. I think she'd be like, you know what? That's what we're going to do.
1: Yep. <laughs> um. So her apparition disappears before him and Aang looks downcast and then upset and angry. And he says, I knew I shouldn't have asked Kiyoshi.
0: I love that. <laughs> Me too. And again... We constantly need to remember that he's talking to himself.
1: <laughs> and Momo.
0: <laughs> no, no, but I mean that he's talking, like, the Kiyoshi that he's asking is himself. Ah, uh, uh, yes, that, it that, is. That, that That that's what he's summoning are aspects of himself, <laughs> aspects of his nature.
1: <laughs> it's like going down some, like, deep, anxious like cycle uh like in an anxiety attack or something and it's like oh man i knew i shouldn't have listened to that part of me like that part of me is
0: not right it's also interesting to think is the avatar cycle just a cycle or does it progress is ang an evolution Mm -hmm. of all the avatars who came before him so like maybe uh past versions of himself would have been incapable of what he needs to do but all of them have laid the groundwork and prepared the way for this because because this is both cyclical and there is this sense of destiny and history coming to um a uh, focal point you know in 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 this story so so it's what I I, I don't know like is Aang, um an advanced version of his avatar selves or is he just... Uh, a a spoke on this wheel that keeps turning.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. To be like, yes. Uh, How much of, like, the reincarnation is just recycling the same type of thing versus, but at the same time, Aang has, a lot of his training has been learn what avatars in the past did wrong. Like, learn Mm -hmm. their big mistakes and don't do those. (laughs) Um, Like, learn from your, your past mistakes, so.
0: Yeah, I do I do like with years. Kiyoshi and Roku, we get, Roku is sort of telling his story through the lens of regret. Mm. Of like, I should have, I should have. He's almost saying like, I wish I would have done this. I regret that I didn't. And Kiyoshi is the opposite of that. And she is no regret. Right. Like, or at least not in that case. She's like, I did what I did.
1: Yeah, which I guess is why Roku's advice is be decisive. Like,
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: there's so much that I regret and uh it's because i made the wrong decisions or i didn't make them in time.
0: Mhm. So that yeah. would prob- that would probably speak to the non sort of evolution part of this and maybe they are responses or reactions to parts of their 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 pa- past experiences because Kiyoshi seems very decisive mm-hmm. and Roku seems like his his f- big flaw is the indecision and the mercy that that oh, whether it's indecision or mercy, I guess that he shows that's his regret. Where that seems like a reaction to the sort of decisiveness of Kyoshi. So it maybe it's interesting to think about these uh, the other avatars we're going to meet here to see like can we see them as responses?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Because we do go in order. We go in the the avatar cycle order mm-hmm. um, backwards. But before we get to the next one, which would be water, right? Water. Yes. Uh, we go back to Basingse. And uh, the gang, uh, the crew is walking toward the inner walls of ba Sing Se. And Suki asks Bumi how he escaped Omashu. Another great question from Sokka. And Bumi says, Escape? I didn't escape. Everyone else escaped. There I That's
0: was. A back- That's a great answer from <laughs> Bumi already.
1: Yes. Like, I can't wait. <laughs> There I was back in Omashu waiting for just the right moment, and we get a flashback, thank God, of him in Omashu under Fire Nation control with the fire banner.
0: I believe, I, I believe we call that city New Ozai.
1: Oh, yes, Omashu. you're right. Right, you're right. Um, and he says, I didn't know what or when, but I knew I'd know it when I knew it. And Boomy is in his suspended iron cage looking up at the sun, right, really right where we left him. Like he's been in that cage for a while. <laughs> and he sees the approaching eclipse and he's like, well, I guess now's the time. And he launches earth shards from the ground around him, like down below, up into his suspended cage, prying open the iron. And he falls to the ground, shirtless, I might add. And a group of firebenders surround him. And one asks, what do you think you're doing? But when he can't firebend, Boomy smiles slyly and answers, taking back my city.
0: Yes, Boomy. It was. <laughs> it made
1: me so happy, Sam. I it's was such like, like yeah.
0: an action hero moment.
1: It's so, and like all of his lines are like, yes, one-liners. Like you could see this happening in like some superhero movie. And like it's cheesy, but it's amazing. And he says, You've got no firepower, and it's payback time. <laughs> and I like
0: that he's basically just like like <laughs> Stallone and Schwarzenegger combined in the 80s at this point.
1: <laughs> yes, like in his Iron Cage, he's just been watching like action movies from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> um, so an ecstatic and like slightly menacing boomy Earthbend launches himself throughout Omashu, destroying one by one these huge Fire Nation structures. It's and like buildings. he's throwing
0: factories around. Like, this is what, <laughs> this is the power that he has.
1: Yeah. And buildings that were like repurposed for Fire Nation war production. And it makes me think of I mean, we've talked before uh, about how Earth Kingdom has elements of it that seem like Korea. So there's Song, whose outfit that she wore at nighttime. That was her Korean hanbok, which is like traditional clothes that's worn for special occasions, like weddings or, um, and more often, obviously in the past. Uh, but this is like this scene is like what I what I want to see happen in real life twentieth century Korean history of like when. At like after Japanese imperialism, so you have like early 20th century. Japan has annexed Korea. They take the beautiful palaces in Seoul. They they rename Seoul to a Japanese name. Interesting. They yep. They the palaces uh, in Seoul are um, are like either destroyed or repurposed, made into government offices um like basically defaced kind of in the worst way possible uh you have language stamped out you have culture stamped out um and then now in 2021 i mean there's still these like lasting tensions between these countries mm-hmm. um that you hear pretty pretty commonly just when talking with people uh but you also have like this weekend is it's called hangulnar and it's um uh, a special day a, a red day a holiday here where like everyone has work off and school off and it's to celebrate the Korean language hmm. like a, a day to be like this was this our language that was made hundreds and hundreds of years ago that was stamped out a uh, hundred years ago like we we have a special day where we acknowledge the importance of our language and like that feels so much like a nation that has been occupied and has risen out of it. And so like, Oh, I love this scene, Sam. I love Boomy going through and saying, Oh, these buildings that were once mine, my city that were made into factories for war. Like I'm going to go and destroy them. And he doesn't just take out the, the parts that were kind of jerry rigged onto these buildings. He's like, no, they are all going away and we are starting new and, uh, and we'll just, will reconstruct like that that's what you have to do after something like this and so after uh the annexing of japan now you have these palaces that are uh you can go on tours in. you can see they're beautiful the gardens are kept up and there's in every plaque a history of yeah this isn't the original palace this is our reconstruction of it Hmm. because of where we came from and i don't know man i love this scene this scene is so good (sighs) oh <sighs> anyway sorry i went on a rant
0: no that was cool that was very cool
1: i just love the idea of, of him taking back his city and starting fresh um so fire nation soldiers begin to flee and boomy launches boulders at the towering statue of ozai that was constructed in the center of the city and he uses all of his strength to topple the skyscraper-sized Ozai monument. It's a colossus, of, yeah. Yes, it is huge. Um, off of the Amashu cliff entirely, and it, it falls down uh, deep below the mountains.
0: And this this reminds me of, um, you know, when you see the fall of regimes in lots of ways. like, I, I, there are images of like statues of Stalin and Lenin getting t- torn down with the fall of the Soviet Union. Um, statues of uh Saddam Hussein in Iraq, like 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 when places are liberated, right? The like tearing down of them the monuments that were erected, you know, as part of this. I am sh- I'm, I'm sure in in Korea there are versions of this as well, um kind of what you're saying. But there is there is something about the the symbolism of the the city had been renamed after Ozai and there is this giant Ozai and you see that pulled down as a um as a monument. To that. Actually we were in Yorktown this summer, and it was so interesting because there was a painting from the American Revolution of uh, U.S. Co- or American colonists tearing down statues of King George or, or or whatever British king. I don't know if it was King George or, or 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 another king. And it was so interesting to look at because you know we're in a period in american history where we're reckoning with monuments and things like that so there's very powerful to see this this giant ozai get get pulled down
1: for sure i also like it coming off of just having Aang talk with an earth kingdom avatar and that her piece of advice is justice brings peace and like this scene with Boomy seems like justice bringing peace. Hmm. Like it is the most. I mean, he's a king, so it's not like it's grassroots, but it feels like that. It sure feels like someone rising up and uh, taking down an oppressor.
0: Well, and and he's the people's king. I mean, he's yeah. not. He's not a king who is you know hierarchically elevated beyond his people. I don't think. Right. He seems right. like a man of the people.
1: Yes. For sure. And, and I just th- feel like Kiyoshi would see him doing that and be like, yep, that's exactly, that's exactly right. Um, and we get a cool shot of him watching Ozai fall off the cliff as he cackles and eats the rock candy that he loves. And present day Bumi, um, has amazed the Zuko crew with this story. And he's like, well, did you guys do anything interesting during the eclipse? And the kids exchange looks and Zuko just says, uh, no, no, we
0: didn't. <laughs> Which is funny because they actually have amazing stories to tell,
1: but they're but so it's hard awkward. to top that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah they don't, they not. don't end in that kind of success.
1: No, no, they don't. <laughs> There's a little shame with their eclipse day. Um, so we, I, I was satisfied. I was more than satisfied with Boomy's story. Were you?
0: Yes, absolutely. Ugh. And now what's interesting about it too is if we think about Return to Amashu that episode, the advice that um Boomy gives to Aang and that Boomy and Boomy says he's basically doing is to sort sort of like to wait, to wait and pay attention for for the right moment. And the fact that that pays off like a basically two seasons later you know pays off like a slot machine at, at for what that scene is like it's kind of great
1: mm-hmm. i love it so much so then we go back to the island and ang summons another version of himself a water avatar named curic
0: now have we met curic before um, or we, we've maybe seen him in in images even if he hasn't been named
1: Yeah, I don't think we've seen him before because in my notes I wrote, he is quite a looker and I feel like I would have noticed.
0: So how would you describe, because I agree, how would you describe his looks? Because I actually have a way to think about how he looks.
1: He, I mean, they kind of took like the most epic times um, of uh, when we've seen um, Katara and and Sokka's dad. Like they've kind of taken like with the hair blowing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, like, the wavy brown hair, right? And then he's got, like, just cheekbones that could cut and, like, a jawline that is beautiful.
0: Okay, I'm glad you said that because we're perfectly in line with this. Because you know how I think everybody has this, like, you have this picture, this idealized picture in your head of yourself, and it's usually Mm -hmm. probably younger than you like like it's like it's like you at your best and like when you're not thinking about it like that's what you just imagine you look like and then you look in a mirror you see a photo of yourself and you're like oh i don't actually look like the picture i have of myself in my head my thought is this is what hakoda thinks he looks like
1: (laughs) yes that's true i mean hakoda hakoda's a nice looking man too oh yeah but not i mean this guy. Okay.
0: Or or this, if they were, t- if, if in the Avatar world, they were to make a movie of the life of Hakoda, this is what the like actual Hollywood actor version would look uh, like. Like it's like the prettier version. It's like, yeah, you actually look a lot like him, but you're also like a gorgeous movie star and yes. not the actual Hakoda.
1: Yeah. Hakoda is a Diet Keurig, right? Like yes. just not quite, but almost like. Yeah. 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 Um, so when he says, "When I was young, I was always a go with the flow kind of avatar." Not what I was expecting, by the way. We see literal flashbacks of him surfing, <laughs> and he says, "But then, I lost the woman I loved to Co, the Face Stealer."
0: All caps. I was so excited that we got co- <laughs> even just a just a, a reference to Co, the Face Stealer. I loved yes. it.
1: And we even get a, a quick scene of Ko to remind us what he looked like and how scary he was. Uh, so the woman he loved uh, was lost to Ko. He says, it was my fault. If I had been more attentive and active, I could have saved her. Aang, you must actively shape your own destiny and the destiny of the world. And he disappears.
0: Okay, for one thing, I want this story. I want. I mm. don't care if it's like a short story, if it's uh, like an animated short. I just want the like Carrick and Co story. Like I, yes. I really, really want that. Um, it's interesting to think about this piece of advice because again, the piece of advice is not you have to kill the Fire Lord. Although Aang is reading everything that way because that's that's what he fears. But it's actively shape your own destiny and the destiny of the world. So So there is this sense of like, you can't be passive, you must be active. You must be active in shaping your destiny, you must be decisive and you must be just. So these are, these are the pieces of advice we have, um, which are all pretty interesting, especially, um, you know, when thinking about also the evade and avoid, um, you know, airbender way, like you can be all of those things and evade and avoid like that. Those aren't mutually exclusive necessarily.
1: Yeah, I mean, even, like, the example of, of Boomy in the last scene. I know I keep coming back to Boomy, but, you know,
0: I can't not. hard not, not to.
1: <laughs> right? Um, but, like, this is a guy who was like, yeah, I'm just going to wait until I know. And when I know, I know it, and then I'll do it. And <laughs> uh, it's, it, it feels passive, but it's really not. Like, I think the gang left him thinking, like, really, like, you are a king, and you're powerful, and you're just sitting here, and you're not doing anything. But it's like, oh, but he was decisive and active and sought justice. It was just he needed to do it at the right time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's, I think it's kind of cool that his story is sandwiched between these two pieces of advice. Uh, so we don't get the, the water avatar for long. We go back to the Zuko crew and the old guard. Mike and I refer to um, these guys as the old guard. It feels right. And we reach a campsite on the outskirts of ba Sing Se. And Boomy welcomes them to old people camp. And (laughs) Zuko asks for Iroh. And they point to a tent. And Zuko takes a deep breath before approaching. And he walks up alone. But before he can go into the tent, he sits on the ground, overcome. And Katara comes up and asks if he's all right. And he says, no, my uncle hates me. I know it. I turned against him. How can I even face him? And Katara kneels on the ground beside Zuko and says, you're sorry for what you did, right? And Zuko says, more sorry than I've ever been about anything in my entire life. And Katara says, then that's enough, you'll be forgiven.
0: I love this moment. I love the the whole thing where, and this goes back to maybe them, you know, like we said, them sleeping the night before. But there is this like propelling energy to get to this moment, to get to Iroh. And I I just know that feeling of like being on the doorstep of the thing you're seeking and pausing and thinking, okay, once I I walk into here, then like that, he's aware that it's a bell he can't unring in terms of like, when i connect with iroh what is what is going to be there what is going to be waiting for me and like we know iroh so we know that Katara is right and katara knows that Katara is right but if we think about zuko's experience most recent experiences with iroh in jail they were pretty bad mm-hmm. you know like 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 he he was pretty rough on iroh while iroh was much like Boomy, laying low, getting stronger, you know, waiting for the right moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's interesting because both Boomy and, um, and Iroh waited for the eclipse to make their move. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. that, that, that Mm -hmm. that they both saw that as the moment of opportunity to break free from their collective prisons.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's Yeah. Even though, and even though we know Iroh and we know that he is kind and forgiving, I still felt the tension too. I think they did a great job of us seeing down, uh, deep down into this campsite, the one tent that has Iroh. And it feels like a, like we're all collectively taking a breath for Zuko. Mm -hmm. And so Zuko, uh, with Katara's um, uh, kind words, he enters the tent and he finds Iroh asleep, snoring loudly. And Zuko kneels on the ground and just waits for his uncle to wake up. And he's smiling. Then we go back to Aang. Now, that was the moment where I was like, oh, can we just stick with that other plot? Right. right? Like, wake right. up,
0: Iroh. It's like they they know they know how to walk right up to the moment you want and then say, well, we'll come back to this.
1: Oh, man, playing with us. So Aang is debriefing with Momo. He's saying all the past avatars want him to quote do it, meaning kill Ozai. It's like he can't even say the phrase kill the fire lord or kill Ozai. He has to be like, they want me to do it. I they they want me to get that done.
0: <laughs> but it's like again, it's so interesting because that's how Aang is reading all what all of them are saying, even though none of no them are that. saying that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Momo chitters at Aang a little bit as Aang vents. And uh, Aang summons an air nomad for help.
0: How excited we, were you to see this air nomad? Av- this so is the exci- first time we've seen her for sure.
1: Yes, and her, she's a woman, so exciting! So, her name is Avatar Yang Chen, and she's the, the previous air avatar. And she appears before him, looks a lot like him, actually. And um, Aang says, the monks always taught me that all life is sacred, even the life of the tiniest spiderfly caught in its own web, which I love that because it's like, oh, a, t- a spiderfly fly is so like that is not an animal that's going to survive and it's right. caught in its own web. Like this is so anti like survival of the fittest mentality. And even that still has like purpose and should be preserved. Like, oh, that made me so happy. And Yang Chen says, yes, all life is sacred. And Eng smiles and he says, I know, I'm a vegetarian. I've always tried to solve my problems by being quick or clever. And I've only had to use violence for necessary defense. And I've certainly never used it to take a life.
0: I love that he's, he's at this point thinking like, I have finally found somebody who gets me.
1: yes. Like, this is the most he's talked to any of the the force ghosts, right? Because he's like, we're on the same page. And uh, Yang Chen says, I know that you're a gentle spirit and the monks have taught you well, but this isn't about you. This is about the world. And Aang says, but the monks taught me that I had to detach myself from the world so my spirit could be free. And Yang Chen Chen says, Many great and wise air nomads have detached themselves and achieved spiritual enlightenment. But the avatar can never do it, because your sole duty is to the world. Here is my wisdom for you. Selfless duty calls you to sacrifice your own spiritual needs. And do whatever it takes to protect the world. And she disappears, and Momo jumps back to Aang, curious... And Aang kind of he he talks to Momo and says, I guess I have no choice. I guess I have to kill the Fire Lord.
0: This is such an interesting scene because um there's I love the tension between what the monks taught you, because the monks, for the most part, raised you to be an air nomad monk to speech to seek spiritual enlightenment. But what she's saying is, but you're not that. I mean you you are that's that's where you come from, but you're the avatar the avatar and the avatar is something different that has a a different destiny and a different call i love how i mean you think about this this show i've heard people describe it as like it's about this little kid uh slowly wrestling with the fact that he's god you know and this is like this is like one of those moments when when it really i feel like that really hits you right between the eyes you know because this is like you talked about Christ in the garden. This is Christ in the garden sort of saying, you know, take this cup away from me, (laughs) you know, and, and there, and, and this avatar is saying, no, in fact, this is what you're called to do. You're called, you actually don't get to think about your own spiritual enlightenment, what, you don't get to think about your own calling. You have to deal with where you're called. Um, uh, you know, to use that language, and uh, and so so to be the avatar means to not be an air nomad, it means to to be something bigger than that. And and I I love the word uh, that she uses. She she says, you know, you need to uh, to sacrifice. Yeah, selfless duty calls you to sacrifice your own spiritual needs and do whatever it takes to protect the world. Um, so I, I I think that idea of sacrifice and we talked about this last episode about like is there going to be a character that sacrifices themselves somebody who doesn't make it but their their death is this kind of sacrifice that helps save the world and this is potentially pointing to that being ang now i don't think that's going to be the case because that would be pretty heavy to lay we've already had ang died and resurrected (laughs) so like I don't think it's going to be that, but I do think that part of this solution, I think one of the key words here is sacrifice, but it's sacrifice your spiritual needs for the sake of the world. So, you know, this could be read as Aang is reading it to say, like, your spiritual needs tell you, you know, that that violence is never the answer. You know, this is, feels like kind of like, um, almost like just war thinking a little bit, you know, that like, mm. like there, there may be a moment when... um or, or to use like, like Kierkegaard, like a, like a teleological suspension of the ethical, right? This idea that mm. you, that, that, that what needs to happen calls for almost forcing you to do the thing that actually goes against your code or your spiritual understanding of yourself. Like I actually really, this one hits really hard and I kind of love it. Um, and I love that I can't interpret this one very well because mm. the others I can say like, well, they, they're not exactly saying you have to do this. They're saying the other things. This one feels the most like she is kind of saying you're going to have to do it. Yeah. Even though she's not saying that It she's getting, she inches right up to that line.
1: Yeah, which is so interesting because this is the one where it feels it feels the most like he's having a conversation with himself, which we know that he is for all of them. Mm-hmm. But for these two, they are so joined by their, their culture, too, that it feels like he's just talking with himself, um, which is a very, yeah, like a, a Christ in the garden moment, too. It's like, I am praying for this cup to be taken from me. I'm praying to God, the father, but it's also in effect, praying, you know, like talking to myself yes, also
0: to different and aspects of himself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in the end it's like, well, no, you can't like this. We have come to the conclusion that this is what you want, but you cannot have that. Um, so we go back to Iroh who wakens in the morning and he notices a presence in the room though his back is still turned. And so Iroh is still facing away from Zuko, much like in the prison scenes from earlier in the season. And Zuko begins to cry before he even says anything. And he says, "'Uncle, I know you must have mixed feelings "'about seeing me, but I want you to know "'I am so, so sorry, Uncle. "'I am so sorry and ashamed of what I did. "'I don't know how I could ever make it up to you. "'But... "'And before he can finish his sentence,' Iroh pulls him into a long hug, and they're both kneeling on the floor. And Iro cries silently, smiling, and Zuko asks how he could forgive him so easily. And Iroh says, I was never angry with you. I was sad because I was afraid you'd lost your way. And Zuko said, I did lose my way. And Iroh says, but you found it again, and you did it by yourself, and I'm so happy you found your way here. And Zuko says it wasn't that hard, Uncle. You have a pretty strong scent.
0: <laughs> I love how he diffuses that moment with a joke or the writers diffuse that moment with a joke but but this is really touching mm. um and and this is the reunion that i mean Again, this is a this is a pretty fan servicey episode, and this is a reunion that uh I, we all wanted right We all wanted yeah. to see this we because this is a burden lifted off of Zuko because he has been living with this guilt almost to the point where he doesn't care about his own life. You know, when he's, when he's going on his field trips to, uh, to the Southern Raiders and to boiling rock, he's kind of doing it. Cause he's sort of like, well, I've already betrayed the people, the person that means the most to me. So I might as well do whatever I can to help you because I'm, I'm worthless now. And this is, this is him getting that, that grace and mercy quite mm-hmm. frankly
1: mm-hmm. yeah I think I don't think I would have written it I mean not that I would but I don't think it could have been written any better way I think yeah they, they did it perfectly I don't know that any fan I've never heard of any fan being upset by the way that this ended between them so uh, then we're at the island in the next morning and Aang and Momo wake from their sleep and they're on the hexagon
0: Who knew there'd be so much sleeping in the finale? (laughs)
1: Right? There's so much time passing, but, like, at different times and it gets confusing. I think we're now, like, towards the same
0: moment. or I think so.
1: Yeah. So Aang looks out from the top of the island and notices shoreline across the way. And he and Momo realize, they look behind them, and they realize that the water is moving. And, in fact, the island is moving. And... Uh so Aang uh, races to the front of the island and Momo flies behind him. And Aang plunges into the water deep below the island and finds that the, I- the island doesn't go down too deep. And a giant foot or claw kicks through the dark waters and it nearly hits Aang. And by giant, I mean it's huge. <laughs> uh, island sized claw. And Aang resurfaces and Momo flies to him and Aang says, it's amazing, Momo, the biggest animal in the world. And Aang swims off with Momo flying overhead and they try to find the animal's face.
0: So what was your thoughts when you when you realized that that's what this was?
1: Well, I don't remember because um, that was one element that I knew was going to happen. I remembered that from the first time I watched it. And in fact, they um, in the library one of the books that one of the kids opens up has uh, this animal on it
0: you're right
1: like a, yeah like a diagram of it so you see it before so when we were watching the library the first time or uh, together I was like oh my gosh
0: it's the lion turtle
1: but I couldn't say anything because I didn't want to give anything away because you'd be like why do you care about the lion turtle so I didn't say anything
0: I love I love the combination of lion turtle. Um, because I presume that this magic Island, lion turtle is a very, very, very old being Mm. and turtles are very, very old. So I like that. And then lions are sort of regal. I mean, they're often like, like, I mean, like in England, like the, the lions of England are part of the, like the iconography of the throne. Um, so it's both like this Royal, Royal creature, but also this ancient creature. Um, and when we and we'll we'll encounter a little bit more about it, and it seems otherworldly. Like it seems, mm-hmm. it seems like when we encounter the uh, the other animals that help to create bending, the other creatures mm-hmm. like that that are like these kind of like super creatures that are somewhat spiritual and somewhat somewhat real. Because this is a very real place, a uh, real place, I guess I could say, but 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 real being. um, it also makes me wonder, so if Aang is on this lion tur- uh, turtle island, then he's occupying real space, right? right? I mean, like 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 it now explains where he is and why it's moving, and it's not as magical as or mysterious or spirit spirity as we had thought. Mm-hmm. So why could the shearshoe not find him? Why did he? Why did June just say like he must not? He he doesn't exist. It makes yeah. me it just like it makes me very curious. Like there is still so it implies that there is still something here that is beyond just like well, it was explained that it's this big ancient uh, creature, but there is also still something magical here.
1: Yeah, and you could you could find you, like you can come up with theories for it, right? Like maybe the scent of the lion turtle overpowers the scent of anything else on the on it. Maybe it's it is quite prehistoric looking like maybe part of its self preservation is being able to, uh, become invisible. Right. Like, I mean, it looks like an island.
0: You're so scientific revolutionary here. Why can't it just be the magic of the lion turtle?
1: That's what I was going to say. It's either that, or it's the magic or the, or the myth or the like religious elements. Like that's what this story is all about. We see that with Sokka all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. Some things can be explained, some things can't, and like a lot of this world is kind of bordering that like I, on a, on a line.
0: I love the idea of something very ancient and very powerful that people weren't aware of and don't understand. It reminds me again, I said there's a lot of Lord of the Rings in this episode. It reminds me of in the minds of Moria when Gandalf is talking about how the um, the dwarves dug too deep, and they basically uncovered these ancient things, like like the Balrog, right? So like mm. like this this makes me think of like this is this thing that maybe Ang has somehow summoned from the depths of the ocean to be, you know, and it's like this is this very ancient being that cares for the world enough to say I need to be the house for the Avatar to come to terms with being the Avatar. Like I I I I lo- I want to believe it's spirit. It's uh, he doesn't exist because he's in a no place. That mm-hmm. is this this spiritual haven. I, I, I want it to be that.
1: Oh, for I mean that's what I truly think it is. Especially because the lion turtle we'll see gives him a piece of advice too. Mm-hmm. And oh, definitely that,
0: a talking lion turtle. We're gonna realize.
1: <laughs> right, right. Like this is not normal. <laughs> um. So. Then uh, we, before we can see his face, we go back to daytime at the White Lotus campsite, and Zuko and uh, Zuko is telling Iroh that he's the only person other than the Avatar who can possibly possibly defeat the Father Lord. And Toph says, "You mean the Fire Lord?"
0: <laughs> I love, I love that this, joke. A Freudian slip in there. I, I, I love
1: <laughs> the Father Lord. <laughs> Um, so they sit at a circle. They're all eating stew together. And it's the Zuko crew plus Iroh. And Iroh says that he can't do that, that it's the wrong way to end the war. He said history would see it as just more senseless violence, a brother killing a brother to grab power.
0: Again, I, I say this all the time, but I, I can't believe how much this show wrestles with the notion of history. Because mm-hmm. that's what Iro. I mean, like, like Iroh is... is I mean he's going to move into the the conversation about destiny but but there is this sort of like cycles of history and even like sort of like well this would just sound like yet another you know greek myth about you know brothers at war with each other so it's like so he's implying we've 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 lived these stories for too long we've lived these cycles for too long what we need to do is break that cycle i love mm. that
1: mhm Mm -hmm. he said the only way for this war to end peacefully is for the avatar to defeat the fire Lord. And so Zuko asks if Iroh would take his rightful place on the throne though. And Iroh stares directly at Zuko and says, no, someone new will an idealist with a pure heart and unquestionable Mm -hmm. honor. It has to be you Prince Zuko.
0: I love this because we spent all of season two, with all this identity issues for, for Zuko. And we talked about how different people tell him who he is. Different people describe him to him. And all of a sudden we're back to this and we're getting Iroh, the person who knows Zuko better than anyone else. And he describes to Zuko who he tells Zuko who he is. And it is an idealist with a pure heart and unquestionable honor. It's really beautiful.
1: Yeah, seriously. He says, and he continues, he says, you've struggled, you've suffered, but you have always followed your own path. You restored your honor and only you can restore the honor of the Fire Nation.
0: So what's interesting about this is, so, so he first dismisses the idea of um, himself fighting the Fire Lord because of how history would write that. And then he starts to write the history or the myth or the legend of Zuko and mm. saying like, this is who you are. We're gonna usher we we need to usher in a new era of history and let me write the first few lines and I love it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a poet. He truly, truly. He's I mean, he's had a lot of time to think through these lines though. That's true. That's, <laughs> he's been polishing. And Toph, again asking the tough questions, says, What if Aang doesn't come back? And Iroh seems very unconcerned. And he says Aang will fulfill his destiny and face the fire lord. And then he says when I was a boy I had a vision that I would one day take Ba Sing Se. Only now do I see that my destiny is to take it back from the fire nation so the earth kingdom can be free again.
0: So it's hey, Iroh's oracle moment. Exactly right. This is exactly what I was thinking about like we need to we need to think about what Iroh is saying here that these these uh these destinies these oracles these things where we think it's saying one thing we need to be open to the fact that maybe it is telling us the truth in a different kind of way that's exactly what i was thinking
1: right and like and even with zuko as an example it's like zuko's whole thing was i need to regain my honor but it's not his honor it's the honor of the fire nation like Mm -hmm. these destinies are much bigger and wider and we can only see little bits of them um well, oh, I love it. Okay. Uh, so he says um, uh, Iro uh, warns Zuko that Azula will be there, though, waiting f- to face him when he tries to take the throne. And Zuko says, I can take her. And he says, You can't handle her alone. And so Zuko turns to Katara and invites her to put Azula in her place. And Katara readily agrees.
0: So here's some things I love. So now we are setting up which what we thought which is Aang and the Fire Lord, Zuko and Azula, which is the Ember Island player story, <laughs> right? Like that was that was their end is that we're going to get these two separate things because they cuz Zuko or cuz uh, uh, Azula and the Fire Lord are now separated, right? So there are these two separate encounters. Um and and I love that so, so I love that and I love that that Katara is getting welcomed into this and that zuko is so open to that he doesn't push back against that idea that you you can't do it alone you know season one zuko would would never would never want to team up with somebody
1: right (laughs) so sokka asks iroh what the rest of their destinies are then and Iroh responds what do you think and sokka says we need to do everything we can to stop the airship fleet
0: Okay. And here's where it gets also very Lord of the Ringsy. y um, This whole scene sort of feels like a Lord of the Rings scene as they're like discussing the destiny of the world and the role that any one person will play in it. So it has that. But there's also this moment um, where, where if we think about last episode, the group hug scene, they're all together and they're all like, we are all going to do this together, right? That's like the fellowship of the ring, like the, the scene there where everybody's like, we're all in, we're all going to do this together. And now they've been separated and they're on these, they're on these separate journeys and Ang is alone and he is going to face the fire Lord alone. And that seems pretty clear. Now it seems pretty clear that it's um, that this encounter is something he needs to do. Um, But they're not sitting passively by this. They're like in uh, the return of the King, When they realize that like they can't get to Frodo and help him. Frodo needs to do this on his own. But they say, well, well, there's still a role we can play in this. Like we need, in that case, we need to draw the eye of Sauron towards us to free Frodo to go, you know, throw the ring into the into Mount Doom. Like this is them saying, like, we, we, we have a role to play in this as well. We're not at the centerpiece of this story, but we all have this role to play in this. I love this. And they're all sort of separating off to go fulfill their duties or their destinies this is great stuff this is great stuff for halfway through the finale
1: i also yeah i like i was thinking that too even just the way that uh the island looks it reminded me of scenes of frodo and sam like running through the forest together like Mm -hmm. just the way the light hit the island um and then also thinking like yeah everyone said that frodo had to do it alone but he had sam there the whole time Samwise, right? Samwise, mm-hmm. yeah. Samwise yeah, the whole yeah. time. And so is it's kind of like you're right. I mean like Momo is Sam. Momo yeah. is Samwise. It's so
0: good. So like, so what we need, what we need, and this would prove Boomy correct. So Boomy is like the Gandalf of this, right? <laughs> it would prove Boomy correct if there is this crucial role that that uh that Momo plays. And now my heart just broke because I thought is th- are they setting up the Momo sacrifice? Mm. No, they're not. This is a kid show. They're not Momo is not <laughs> Momo is not dying for Aang uh, to save oh, the world.
1: Yeah, though I don't think I could handle
0: that. Well, what a hero <laughs> he would be.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so, we cut to Toph and Suki who are on top of a green lizardy thing which is described in a second, but Dao says to Sokka... Uh, And Sokka is now dressed in a Water Tribe warrior uniform. Uh, Piondao says, Nothing runs faster over land or swims quicker than a giant eel hound. It looks exactly like an eel hound. Um, The airship base is on a small island just off the Earth Kingdom shore. You should be able to intercept the fleet within a day's journey. Which is good and convenient because they have about a day. Right. (laughs) And they bow and then Sokka runs and hugs him. And then nearby Zuko and Katara are on top of Appa and they're saying their goodbyes. Zuko asks Iroh what he will do after the war. And Iroh says, after I reconquer Ba Sing Se, I'm going to reconquer my tea shop and I'm going to play Paisho every day. And then I Katara I and- I love I know, destiny. I know. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Um, And then Katara and Zuko look to Sokka, Toph, and Suki on the Eel Hound, and they silently nod to each other. And this is their goodbye. And Iroh says, today, destiny is our friend. I know it. But you know who's not
0: their friend? The cave crew. Because the cave crew is still ignored. (laughs)
1: There is still no... I was like, oh, it's such a sweet, like, father-son moment between Sokka and Piandao," And then I was like, but he has a death."
0: yep and he's in a cave somewhere (laughs) he
1: he left him in a cave (laughs) um yeah no this is a sweet it is it it felt heavy it's like zuko wants to know what iroh will do after the war because there is a sense of maybe one of us isn't gonna make it out right and so it's it's nice to have some closure either way um but we go back then uh, to the head of the island And it emerges from the water and it reveals a face that looks like an ancient statue. Uh, And it is the face of a a kind of like a lion monument that you might see at like a palace or, or a temple Um, specifically like East Asian or Asian.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important the way you're describing it is spot on because it's important to realize, although this is a living being its face does not move. It does not, it does. It's not animated. It's, it's it's actually like jarring because mm. it moves in a different kind of way. Even when it speaks like its face doesn't move. So it's uh-huh. so uh, it speaks to how, again, how ancient this thing is that it is not, it's not of this world in the same kind of way, or at least not of this time.
1: Right. It almost, it it looks like it was carved out of stone. Um, And yet it's sentient and speaks. Uh, And Aang is in awe of it. And he says, a lion turtle. And he stands on the lion turtle's paw, I guess, um, that's sticking out just above the water. And he says, maybe you can help me. Everyone, even my own past lives, are expecting me to end someone's life. But I don't know if I can do it. And the Lion Turtle, in a deep, amazing voice, says, The true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost. The true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed. Since beginningless time, darkness thrives in the void, but always yields its purifying light. And the lion turtle raises its other claw and touches a toe to Aang's forehead and his chest at the same time, causing his tattoos to light up in a vibrant green.
0: So what do we make of this?
1: I thought, like, did he open his last chakra? That's what I was wondering. It seems like it. But we don't really get an answer. (laughs) I mean, that's the last thing that it's like Aang going into battle that felt like the one thing he was missing. Mm-hmm. Other than his own man just coming to terms with his next task. But, like, beyond that, he can't go into the Avatar state. So it feels like maybe the Lion Turtle helped that. I don't know.
0: And I find it so interesting, you know, the the when he says the true mind can weather all the lies and illusions. So mm-hmm. there is, I think about this idea of illusions. I mean, there there is all these... Aang has is so we as we've said in this episode is so wrapped up in what he thinks the like binary choices are that he has, and I I read this again not knowing where this is going that that he that the lion turtle is calling him to see past the lies and illusions of the fact that choices are binary in that way. Um, mm-hmm. The true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed. Um, can and and then talks about like the darkness in the void and the, the purifying light, you know, this, which speaks to both like, um, polarities, right. The, the, the the purity of light and, and, and dark as these sort of opposites Mm -hmm. that, that interact. I mean, think about the, um, uh, the spirit pool with the black and the white fish swimming, um, you know, uh, thinking about those, the, the duality of things in that way. Um, and and so so I feel like like I don't know how to unpack that, but that feels like the f- the the fifth piece of advice is uh, is is something there you know and um and he so he's telling Yang to be true of mind and true of heart, um and that 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 that's that that's going to be the the way to maybe fulfill these other pieces of advice, I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it uh and he says. Yeah, he says, true mind and true heart, and as he does, he touches his paws to his mind and his heart. And so it feels also like he granted him a gift, almost. He granted him that ability to weather all lies and illusions, to tough out the poison of hatred. Like, that was already in him, but maybe this is like a gift. So that's where it makes me think, like, perhaps this is him being able to go into the Avatar state again.
0: It makes right. me. It makes me wonder about like. I want to go back and watch the guru and think about the, because all the chakras were different parts of the body. So mm. what was the heart and the mind? Mm. You know, because he's definitely, if he's unlocking something that way, he's definitely focusing in on those two parts. Right. So maybe right. there's a, maybe there's a guru rewatch I need to do to.
1: Right, and we'll have to, to, to think about we'll that. Have to chat about it next week. <laughs> Uh, So later, the lion turtle extends his paw and drops Aang on a cliff off the shore shore with Momo. And before the lion turtle submerges, he gives one last piece of advice to Aang. He says, wait for him. He will come.
0: How much does that sound like Boomy too? Right? Yeah.
1: And Aang and Momo exchange glances and then shoot into the sky toward their battle. Then on the summit of a volcano, we see Phoenix King Ozai is just loving his metaphor. And he's saying to no one in particular, it's time for this world to end in fire and for a new world to be born from the ashes. And behind him, uh, behind this wall of a volcano is the airship fleet. And we see the comet approaching earth. Ozai looks on at the comet from the top of this volcano and Aang looks on from the sea, ready for battle.
0: What a place to end the episode.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because because what's interesting is, like, I wasn't, this like we were saying at the beginning, like, I wasn't sure how quickly we were going to get to the comet. And so now to realize there's two episodes left, the comet is here. Yeah. So I'm, it makes me, this. this is what makes me feel like episode three is going to be, the action episode where where you know maybe we'll reach one last all is lost kind of moment and we'll need that whatever that last thing is to you know to tip over i have no idea how the show's gonna end i mean i i i know that like i know that that the fire lord's not or the the phoenix king is not going to win and burn the world to the ground like I, i feel confident about that but i don't know how they're gonna get there yeah. And that excites me. It excites yeah. me that they that I feel like they've given me enough stuff to think about, and enough stuff to think that, I, I like you said, I could, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Ang kill Ozai because this feels like the kind of show that might say, "Yep, we're going to go there and wrestle with this reality," mm. but I don't think that's going to happen. But I don't know how they're going to work that not happening. Right. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen, but I don't know how he's going to win without the end of the fire or of the Phoenix King somehow.
1: Right. Right. And
0: and, and they've created a world where, like like you were saying, however the Phoenix King meets his end, it's still going to be on Aang's hands. Yes. Um, because I, that that's what that's what they were preparing him for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'm happy with. I mean, I, I know vaguely how things end. But I would be happy with any of the outcomes at this point because it feels like this episode did a really good job of saying any of the options, directly killing him, indirectly killing him, not killing him. It seems like we can put that on destiny and less on Aang. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Does that sound
1: cruel? Maybe that no, sounds cruel.
0: No, I think I think you're right. You know, because I think that's where we get to the the, the fourth piece of advice, the like you know, sacrificing your own spiritual needs to do whatever it takes to protect the world. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I uh, man, I, I just don't, I don't know. So, so I also feel like there are a few loose ends we need tied up still. Mm. And I feel like this next episode can't address them. Like, I don't think we're going to get, um, I don't think we're going to get Ursa in part three but I think we're going to get a little bit of Ursa in part four, which leads me to think part of part four has to be this sort of like post-war resolution, re, at least pointing to a rebuilding of the world, mm. you know? um. So, so actually, you know, maybe there's a degree to which um, even the Phoenix King gets to fulfill what he sees as his destiny, which is, you know, he's saying the world is going to be torn down and rebuilt anew. Mm. And maybe that's going to happen, but maybe, the maybe the rebuilding anew is not um what he imagines it to be. Because right. I also don't know how they're gonna deal with the uh the comet because the comet, everything we've been told, they are going to have unspeakable power with that comet there. It's like, so how do they just beat somebody with unspeakable power? Like I don't know. Right. I don't know that he can. Um, although the Avatar maybe also has unimaginable power. I don't know. Like, like, I feel like there's going to be some destruction before there's victory. Yeah. And I don't know what that destruction's going to look like.
1: Yeah. Yes. It makes me glad that the White Lotus has some Fire Nation benders
0: mm-hmm. in it. <laughs> to, like, oh, I hadn't day, thought of that. Yeah, we cause, need you. Because, like, Zuko and zhongzhong and Aang would also... Presumably, be able to tap into the power of the comet as well. Yeah, yeah I don't know how I the comet so. works too. I I just <laughs> know it makes them more powerful, but I don't know why.
1: Right, proximity. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I don't know. Yeah, uh, we also so much.
0: We, we also like have Azula storyline. We have we have lots of stuff that that's going to be uh, going to need to be addressed. I and mm-hmm. we now clearly have uh three different paths people are on right we have ang and ozai yep we have Sokka, toph and suki going airships to going thing. to the airships we have Appa, katara and zuko going to the fire nation so we have those three and then we have the cave crew still in yeah. the cave but I, uh, I say that as a joke but i also seriously mean like we also have all of the allies, right? Like yeah. we also have may and Ty Lee. Yeah. Like, like there, there are so many other pieces here that are going to connect, which makes me feel like there's going to be some rapid fire stuff happening.
1: Yeah. I mean, we also have uh reconquering bossing say we have uh, the crew that were thrown into jail that didn't end up, um, and the boiling rock like the rest of mm-hmm. the the family of the cave crew yeah, <laughs>
0: like yeah where are
1: they like cave crew part two where are you
0: yeah where's um, where's pipsqueak
1: right? that's the big question everyone's right. wondering where's pipsqueak but yeah yeah there's there's so many people to tie up and i think the, the notes sam for this next episode are going to be wild
0: I think so. And they're they're my notes to make. So I, <laughs> I and I have not seen it. Um so nice. I I don't I just I just don't know where we're headed. I'm very excited to see um kind of where this is pointed. It it's it doesn't it feel like there's too much left? Yeah. Yeah and, and, and you know and part of what I have in my mind is that because this was aired and they clearly are not making these as episodes, but these that this is a movie that then gets chopped up into things that feel close enough to episodes. That leads me to think we could see the resolution of this war or most of it in part three, because part four could be now let's tie together some pieces and push things out and maybe time jump forward into, into time a little bit. Um, Because if this is conceived of as a movie, you could say, well, the last 20 minutes actually are post climax. Mm. Um, but that would seem weird. Um, I don't know. I like, but it's also not a movie. It's a TV movie. So they had to conceive that we're going to air this as four parts, but we're also going to conceive of it as, or we have to, we're going to air this as one part, but we have to conceive of it as four episodes. So I have, so I have to feel like three is going to end on a cliffhanger, but that cliffhanger might get resolved earlier in four than we think. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I'm just, I'm just speculating. I'm just very happy to be where we're at right now. To be, to be on the verge of this. The comet yeah, is here.
1: The comet is here. We're almost done. Two episodes left and I don't want it to end.
0: Well, and talk about a show that's paying off stuff from early on. I mean, I remember how long ago. It was about this time last year probably that we were watching The Winter Solstice Part 1 and 2 and when we learned about the comet you yeah. know like um and that that's a long time ago that's a lot of episodes ago and that they were all pointing towards this moment that we're at um i and one of the things i'm excited for when i finish this is to get to actually start to read about avatar and dig into the like how the story was built production stuff of it because they they had to have conceived of all of this you know from the beginning
1: yeah maybe we need to have an episode after we're done with the series. That's like once Sam has dug through everything there is, we, we bring out the highlights, the things that that surprised us.
0: I definitely think when we finish this, we'll take a break from (laughs) this show, but I think there will be future one-off episodes of Avatar with academics as we start to explore this world a little bit more, both, In terms of the research people have done, the writing people have done, just even things like Avatar Wiki, but also, you know, some of the comic books, Legend of Korra, other things that are forthcoming. I was doing a little bit of reading about stuff that's potentially forthcoming, um, and it seems like there's still a few years that those things are in production, but they take a long time to make, so... we're not going to hold our breath on those things but they're they're going to be coming and they're going to be interesting and you know we may do some episodes on them never never to the degree that we're doing this but um but yeah i think those are things that we'll explore annie this has been so much fun uh this is all that we have for this episode uh but we will be back and i'm going to say hopefully next week I mean, we are at the sort of the peak of busyness. I, I can't speak for you, but for my life, I am at the peak of busyness for my real job. Um, mm. So, I really hope we're going to record another episode next week. But if there is a gap in here, please forgive us. Uh, we're, we're very uh, busy professional people, also along with people who talk about <laughs> avatars. So, um, and we're doing this in real time. So, like, like we're recording this episode, and it's coming out this week. So. Um, yep. So we hope to have another episode next week Or if not next week uh, In the very the very near future That is all the time we have We will be back next time With Book 3 Fire Chapter 19
1: Sozin's Comet Part 3 Into the Inferno